Hey everybody, welcome to the Thursday edition of Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. I am your host, Scott Steen, lead handicapper at winnersandwinners.com. And I'm your co-host, Scott Reichel, senior handicapper of winnersandwinners.com. And together, yeah, we make up Winners and Winners Radio. It's good to be here. Good to have you guys with us. Got a little baseball to take a look at. Got a little baseball to talk about. Scott, how'd you... uh, How'd you end up on your bets yesterday? I know, uh, I know, not so great on the baseball side. Do you have any basketball plays, any NHL plays, anything like that? Well, the baseball side was actually okay, personally. Unfortunately, I lost the YouTube play of the day by a hook. I mm-hmm. took Max Scherzer over three and a half hits allowed. He gave up a leadoff single. He had three. Unfortunately, the Cardinals had eight base runners with Scherzer in the game, three walks, a hit by pitch. And there was a very, very debatable error on Seager on the ground ball to Car- uh, from Carlson. I thought it was an error. Who, who, was, was, that de- close. who was that debatable with? Uh, because it was, I think it was going to be a bang, bang play either way. Mm. So you make the argument Seager's charging in. It's not exactly an easy play to make, so to speak, but I was fine with the ruling either way. He finished with three hits allowed instead of four. So I lost by a hook, but I live bet Trey Turner, over half a base and he ended up having the single the rocket dribbler that went about four feet and i also had a race to six runs neither at minus 140 on DraftKings, and that was sweat free winner yeah that was solid that was solid we had uh we had trey turner over one and a half total bases at plus money so that worked out uh, it's zero going into the last two at bats and turner's gonna do turner things don't worry about it buddy no sweat <laughs> i had it all the way and as far as as far as our play of the day goes on the YouTube side, we lost also by a hook as we had the Cardinals on the run line plus one and a half. Scott, we've been here before. We're going to talk about it, but uh, yeah, suffice it to say, you may see that game come up again on one of our featured uh, segments there. It might be all of them because it was the only game on yesterday. Yeah. You couldn't find any tennis beats, buddy? I actually probably could have. I feel like people. But I tur- found enough in the preseason realm to really help me out. We get like we get like uh, over a thousand views a day. People want to know what those tennis beats are. That's why the only reason they're tuning in. That's uh, why they only watch the first five minutes. Well, let's find out, shall we? My God, what whatever could we have here, Scott? Let's find out who got ripped off, who had it stolen away. I'm not going to say when it got stolen away arbitrarily. Let's say. Bottom of the ninth, just just for to put a pin in it. Oh man, I feel like I should have done this before. It's time to call the cops. All right, buddy. Well, we kind of uh, kind of alluded to it as the um, Cardinals Dodgers tied up one one. Bottom of the ninth, two outs. One man on base, Scott. What do we need right there? Just base hit, man on second. Uh, anything that's not a, over the fence. Anything inside the fence is what we need. And what did we get? You got it over the fence. Chris Taylor, everybody. Chris Taylor. 20 home runs this year. Not a bad, not a bad player. but uh, Clutch playoff player. Yeah, but sure. he was in a massive slump going in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good time to come out of it as he hit a walk-off two-run home run. That sinks our run line if you had the Cardinals plus one and a half along with me. if. Time to call the cops. And looking at the second one, we're going to switch sports. Oh, boy. And for this one, we're going to be looking at the Blues money line. Taking on the Wild. The Blues led a 3-1 to one with less than four minutes to go. Wild scored a goal with 3.53 left, which is no big deal. You're still up another goal. They pulled the goalie. 
and the Wild scored again with 45 seconds left to tie the game. And the Blues eventually lost in overtime. So you had a two-goal lead with less than four minutes to go, and you lost the game outright. That's pretty rough. They don't call it cover time. Yep. Yeah, the Red Wings Blue Jackets under six. Uh, You were sitting pretty good. Two goals going into the third period. And then they erupted, Scott. The game ended up 4-2 to two after they scored four goals in the third period. It wasn't a loss. It was a push, but it was one of those, we talk about them a lot. There's push wins and push losses. This was definitely a push loss. Sorry, guys. Call the cops. Maybe ring them up on the non-emergency line. I was trying to find one that had an actual beat to it, right. but if you're at the point where you're betting preseason hockey mm-hmm. and you nailed the total because you have two goals through two periods. You had it. You had it. And you still find a way to push there. No empty net goals, by the way. That hurts. Yeah. Yeah. There's no no cheap ones. That was four legitimate goals, right? Yep. All right. Well, there were some good news people out there. Some good news people. I don't even know what that means. There were some people. That's, what, uh, that's some phrase somewhere. <laughs> Syntax is for losers. There were some people out there that had the easy time, Scott. They had the bet correct. They had their candy capping done very, very well. And of course, they were sitting where? In the rocking chair. So, the first one was in preseason basketball with the Magic taking on the Pelicans. Total in that game was 218.5. Can I interest you in 44 points in the first quarter, Oof. 37 in the third quarter? I'm very interested if I have the under. And 50 in the fourth quarter. Game landed 190. So, if you had the under, you cashed by about 28 points. Give me those totals again. How much? You, you had 44 in the first quarter. Okay. You had 50 in the fourth quarter, uh-huh. 33 in the third quarter. So you were 127. So they so they ended up scoring ended up scoring 64 in the fourth in the third quarter, huh? Oh, they they scored uh, 59 in the second quarter, but oh, the second quarter was the one that, that was the big. The score. second quarter was the one that ended up exploding, but even 59, it's really not that bad in today's NBA. No, that's you're looking at 236. That's you know, yeah, okay. Well, Scott, there was some good news from that St. Louis-Los Angeles Dodgers. If you had the under 7.5, didn't have to sweat that a lot. Nice pitcher's duel between uh, Scherzer, who was struggling, struggling. He, he was a gamer. He was a veteran. He went, he went and pitched through it. Not enough hits. And uh, Adam Wainwright on the other side. Uh, Dodgers, or excuse me, St. Louis scored one in the first on a wild pitch. Dodgers answered up with one in the fourth. And on Justin Turner's solo home run, and then of course the aforementioned walk off in the bottom of the ninth. Scott's a great thing. You're sitting there at uh, at at one one in the bottom of the ninth, and you got seven and a half. That's a good feeling because you know uh, defi- it definitely is. You probably ain't gonna and lose it. And by the by the way, something. by the way, there was you we were playing back to regular rules, so there was going to be no man on first base. The Cardinals put up three runs in the top of the 10th and the Dodgers counter with five in the bottom of the 10th. So Yeah, I actually tweeted that out in like the seventh inning. I said, just in case you're worried, there are no ghost runners on base. Like, oh. you're you're fine. Don't, don't worry about I don't, it. I don't read your tweets. But anyway, looking at the last rocking chair, this one ended up taking place in hockey between the Kings and the Ducks. If you had the over five and a half, you were in pretty good shape because you had four goals in the first period. And two goals in the second period. Game ended 6-3. to three. So if you have the over and you don't have to watch a third of the game, I consider that a rocking chair. 
Not bad, not bad at all. Hey, let me ask you, did the game go about the way you thought it would with the Cardinals and the Dodgers? I thought it was going to be a low-scoring game. I thought there was value kind of on what you took with the Cardinals plus one and a half, but there was. It just didn't win. But I thought it was going to be a pretty close game. Scherzer, I expected to not have his best stuff, and he battled anyway. Yep. Wainwright was great. Uh, I know he gave up the solo home run to Justin Turner, but Hung he also got out bit. of the bases loaded jam by Trey Turner yep. on that double play ball, yep. which might be one of the first double plays that Turner's ever hit into in his uh. life. But either way, I was expecting a very low scoring, really long and painful game at times. And that's exactly what I got. I mean, like watching the Yankees play. Yeah, I was uh, against the Red Sox in the regular season. Yeah. So, so let me ask you. Albert Pujols leads off the, t- the bottom of the ninth in a tie game against his old team. Would that have been arguably one of the best moments in playoff history if he would have hit a home run there? Of course. That would have been a phenomenal moment. But instead, something else happened that we kind of disagree with. Yeah, I think Pujols is – I think it was next-level stupid for Pujols to swing at that 3-0 pitch. Okay. I think that's moronic. Okay. So – you know who he is, right? You know, yeah. you, you know it's you know it's Albert. You know it's Albert Pujols. I heard he's a machine. Uh, any idea how many home runs? How many home runs he has for his career? This year or his, his career? His career six hundred and oh boy, what's Se- the like? Seventy nine, eighty six, six hundred and seventy nine home runs. Scott. Okay, so was a little bit high, but okay. So, well, you are a little bit high if you think that he's not up there to swing the bat. He's not up there to, to, to get on first base, all right? He's up there to swing the bat, 3-0 pitch, beautifully grooved fastball. He got it. He just didn't get enough, and I thought it was fine. I was surprised he swung 3-0, but I totally agreed with the move. You turned the greatest home run hitter of our generation loose on 3-0 in a playoff game when you just need one run. Let him rip it. It almost worked. He was um, probably missed it, probably missed barreling it by what, sixteenth of an inch, getting it out of there. No idea. All I know is he was sitting on his ass for about four hours. The pitcher hasn't thrown a strike yet, and you decide, you know what, three zero. We need a base runner to try to win the game. Let me just try to swing. Like, was I it, just thought it was, was ridiculous. It, was like, it a strike? I get, I get that it's an aggressive mindset of. We're a home run league now. Analytics will tell you, you know, you got to swing if you're going to get a good pitch, whatever. Get a base runner, man. You're going to pinch run anyway. You can bunt. You got the top of the order coming up soon. Oh, for God's sake. You're fine. I really just don't think you needed to uh, – top of the order, maybe not necessarily, but he still would have had a couple of decent uh, batters up afterwards. I'm just not a McFarlane guy, and if he comes in and he throws three pitches that aren't even close to the plate, by the way, I think you should try to get, get at least a base runner because the Dodgers – they didn't really have many for the majority of the game. They had some against the bullpen, but are you a McFarlane guy? I'm generally not a guy. I'm not a fan of a guy that gets cut by a terrible team in the middle of the season and picked up by another team. I'm not. And which team did he get cut by? Uh, well, a team that had all kinds of pitching, so they they had no need for it. The Washington Nationals. 
Yeah. So <laughs> since McFarlane got cut by them, I know he had a decent year this year in general. He but did. He did. He did well. I had for the no Cardinals. faith in him to find the zone. I know he threw a strike in the end, and Pools, I guess, was waiting for it, even yep. though he flew out. Got exactly the pitch he was looking for. Right I think down if the he middle. was starting the game and he actually had a couple of at bats, okay. I would be okay. I'd be a little bit more okay I don't with care. it. No. But he's a cold bat off the bench. You've had the bat on your shoulder for five minutes. Work account, man. Okay. That's where I disagree with some of the analytics. I think base runners are extremely important. No, I think the analytics would tell you there that you, that you want the, that you want him on base. But for my money, you think so? You think analytics would agree with not swinging three zero there? Yes. Really? Yes, I think yes. If you're if you're playing to put runners on base, then the analytics I think would. Well, say, that's the ironic say, part because nobody in the league plays to put people on base anymore. No, they're they're playing they're playing home run ball. I I thought that, it was so. I, that's why I don't know what the analytics would say because on one hand it makes sense. Well, you're not talking about the analytics. Still say you put you put the man on base. Now whether they're disregarding that or not, that's another story. I think that you just know McFarland's throwing a fastball on three zero. Yes, he's throwing a fastball again on three one. Yes, and he's probably throwing another one on three two. So yes. I think he got a couple of pitches to work with. I would I would have taken on three zero, but no. I, I'm curious to see. I'm curious to see whose side the viewers and the listeners are on. So if you're, I know, I know the narrative tells you, you want pools to hit the walk off home run. I it's not even that, the, it's not even the narrative. He he's earned that right. I'm just saying you're, let's just say in the comment section down below, you're the manager of a baseball team. Yes. And you pinch at a let's, guy let's, who hasn't batted for four hours. That, that's, that's irrelevant. Swinging three Oh, he's taken swings in the tunnel. Scott, he's not cold. He's not just, I'm just saying he's not, he has, he has not seen live pitching. For the entire game, and he's been a bench guy for months. Yeah, that's what pinch Do you want him swinging on 3-0 in that situation? Every, every day, yes. With no outs. At a strike. Oh, I don't care. At a strike, yes. Well, the outs the outs matter. If there's two outs, then you probably want him swinging away or trying to do something. Yeah. No, no outs, really? Swing. Who are you going to pinch well, run let for? Let us know down below. Who are you going to pinch run for him? Who are you going to pinch run? Anybody. Yeah, no, who? Pitcher? So you yeah, well, you got to bring a pitcher in to pinch run, right? I know Gonsolin's been used before as a pinch runner by the Dodgers. Gonsolin had already Gonsolin had already pitched. Gonsolin did not pitch. Gonsolin, uh, oh Gratterall no, pitched. Oh, Gratterall pitched. Sorry, my bad. Gonsolin has been used numerous times by the Dodgers as a pinch runner, so I okay. feel like they could have went in that direction. Uh, was their bench completely empty? I don't think so. I think they had a couple of other guys. No, because they still had to hit. They still had to hit Sousa for uh, McKinney. Right, right after Pujols. So I guess the argument is you could have pinch run Susan. What McKinney bat? Well, obviously they didn't want that. So I mean, you didn't. Well, you I, can't let Pujols run. I mean, that's obvious. So okay, so so you've got so then you've got okay, so Pujols walks. They they bring in Gonsolin. Truth is, if, run. I, if if they really wanted Souza to bat instead of McKinney, I think Gonsolin would have ran. Because I've seen him base run numerous times in extra innings for the Dodgers this season. Okay, but my point is now you've got now you've got the uh, the spot you've got to pinch hit for, or you send or you send McKinney up, and then you and then you've got Bellinger behind that, who's been so bad they've got him hitting eighth, and then after that you've got the pitcher spot. So we can talk about Bellinger. He actually had a pretty good game. He did well. He got a hit. So congratulations. That was that was good. He got a hit and he, he also worked the walk in the ninth, but. That's true. That's true. And technically, he scored the he scored the one the one run that would have helped me. It was the yeah. it was that second run, mm-hmm. that was no good. So yes, please drop us a comment. Let us know why Scott is wrong. So let us just tell us that. Okay. One of us is wrong, and we're both named Scott. So pick whichever one you well, want. Well, I think I think we know. We know. All right. Oh, I agree. I, I think that I'm <laughs> obviously right in the situation. I, I know you do. But... 
All right, my friends. So let's take a look. Um, any other thing? Any other thoughts from the game? Uh, well, we got one more thought that we're going to talk about involving St. Louis's bullpen. That's true. But that's true. Yeah, the game itself was long. Very, very long. Can Brutal. we speed this up a little bit? I know that it's playoff baseball and every pitch is important. I get it. It's 1-1 going into the ninth. We've been here for four hours and like 20 minutes. Can, can we please just speed it along a little bit? You know who I feel bad for? I feel bad for all those people in L.A. that couldn't leave early to beat the traffic. Yeah. Brutal. Brutal getting home from What, sure. what do you think? They got to try something to speed this up, right? I don't know what you do. I mean. It was I, crazy. Maybe the. Uh, can we add a pitch count? There were rumors they're going to do that. Can we actually throw that in? Add a pitch count? A pitch clock. Sorry. They have a pitch clock. Do they regularly enforce it? 25 seconds every pitch. I I was at a game I was a lot longer than 25 seconds. I was at a, I was at a game Saturday night. I watched I watched the pitch, pitch clock the whole night. I know that there's supposed to be a clock it's out not there. there is sure a pitch clock. Cuz I saw Scherzer taking his sweet time for about 5 innings. Well, I don't Wainwright know. also took his time too. Well, I don't know exactly when it starts. I don't know if it's from the time he climbs the mound. I don't know if they if they, if he's off the mound if they don't start the clock. There is no way they were enforcing those 25 seconds because it felt like an eternity between pitches. Well, it's like now you now you know how the rest of the world feels when we watch a Yankees game, Scott. No, no I agree. Yankee games are way too long. Uh -huh. I've, I've never disagreed with that point. I'm just saying for playoff baseball, people try to compare regular season to playoffs and what the main difference is. You can talk about the runs around port in each pitches. It's the length. It's 1-1. We should not be here for more than three hours. I agree. I agree. You see, then this one, you're right. You actually got a good take. Very I well. always have good takes. Well, let's find out. I'm curious to know if it wasn't if it wasn't Albert Pujols for swinging three and O, Scott. Who could be wearing the golden feed bag? Who's donkey of the day? You know what? Let's find out, shall we? <laughs> Now, is he or is this a return winner of Donkey of the Day, or did we just have him as one of our news or one of our news stories? He ended up winning. I'm not sure if he actually won or we gave it to his soon-to-be ex-wife. Oh, good point. At the time, All I right. don't know who we gave it to. But well, tell the story. You're the hockey guy, so let's have that puck story. All right. So there's a current player named Evander Kane who has had some issues over the years off the ice, whether it involves gambling debts in Vegas, then he was in the middle or he was about to get divorced. And it turned out that his ex or his ex-wife or soon to be whatever you want to call her. Uh, she accused her soon to be ex-husband of gambling on games that he was involved in. Betting against the, the Sharks, betting by the against way. His own team, which, which caused a whole NHL probe. And that ended up becoming completely illegitimate. So he got off the hook there. Right. But anyway, Evander Kane is back under NHL surveillance and investigation because he is currently being investigated for using a fake COVID-19 vaccine card. How much do you think that goes for on the open market? I think they're pretty cheap. I got to assume so. I it's think a piece of paper. Less than 100 bucks, I think, on the dark web. I don't even know if you have to go to the dark web to get one. The fake IDs that I got back in high school were about 50 apiece, just about for reference. 50 apiece? Yeah. Well, it's going to probably end up costing him a lot more than that, Scott, because they really they frown on that. 
Uh, I heard they frowned upon it uh, this year. But then again, and he's being investigated. We don't know if it's true or not. That's right. But Innocent until Evander proven Kane, guilty, even in now, Canada. Now, of course, the, the ex-wife stuff, it's kind of out of his control if she's trying to ruin his reputation in public. But the point is that even with the Vegas debts in the past, mm-hmm. Evander Kane just can't stay out of the public spotlight for the wrong reasons in the NHL. Scott, is, is he the only one that does anything wrong in the NHL? <laughs> it seems like all this, all the stuff that a goes wrong. A lot of wrong, other stuff gets swept under the rug. All the stuff, all the stuff that happens, you're like, oh, it's Evander Kane again. Well, there you go. He's gambling. Oh no, he's got a fake vaccine card. Oh no, he's like he's beating his wife. No, sexually assaulting his wife. No, it's, it's the one guy. I'm is just it- saying, if there was one guy, if you had to guess who would be doing the fake COVID thing. Oh, yeah. Evander Kane's on the short list. Got to be on the list. Some, somebody screwed up in hockey. Who is it? Um, I got I got Evander Kane at minus 140. Yep, there you go. Cash that ticket. That's a good play. Yeah. He's the donkey of the day, Scott. Unbelievable. Kind of has to be, right? Especially if it's true. The fake COVID thing, the vaccine card. Right. I just made me laugh. Like I heard the story. I just read it, and I'm like, I have to put this in the show. This is just too good. What do you and what do you? Because I I'd read it too, and I went, this guy again, really? What this guy? All right. So what? What's your name? Evander. Then why does it say Bob? <laughs> Puts the wrong name on the card. Sanjay Patel. That, that, that doesn't. No, that doesn't sound like you at all. Abraham. You don't look Jewish. <laughs> all right. Well, Scott. We, t- we promised we'd touch on this game one more time, and it has reached the time. It's hard to get mad. It's hard to get mad at games like this because you know what's going to happen. You see it coming. It's like a slow-motion car wreck, and then it happens, and you're like, oh, God. So I'm not mad, Scott. I'm just disappointed. All right, my friend. Well, ninth inning. We talked about it. Chris Taylor walks it off. But there's a question about why Alex Reyes was in there pitching, Scott. He has not had a good second half for the St. Louis Cardinals. Very good first half. Very bad second half. 1-5-2 ERA in the first half. 5-5-2 ERA in the second half. That's a four-run difference. That is substantial. And Scott, what was his main problem in the second half? How had he been victimized? He had a hard time keeping balls in the yard. Having a hard time keeping the balls in the yard. Well, there's a little bit of a harbinger of things to come, huh? That's the part where you say yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Were you looking up harbingers? I thought that was just rhetorical. (laughs) Because we already talked about the walk-off. So, yeah, Reyes faced one guy. Or uh, did he walk Bellinger or Bellinger got on base for McFarlane? I think McFarlane walked Bellinger, right? Bellinger... Like Reyes faced one batter, right? Yes. That was the only batter he faced. Yes, Bellinger had two walks tonight. That's what I thought. No, I know he walked, but I'm saying McFarlane walked him, then they pulled him, right? Yes. Yes, they Yeah, brought... so Reyes faced one guy. See you later. Yep. That's it. Yeah, they brought him into they brought him into pitch to Taylor. Yeah. Well done. Well done indeed. So yeah, brutal. Just 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 brutal. Scott. I'm sure Cardinals fans, the last pitcher they wanted to see in that tie game was Alex Reyes. Sure, sure. It was, uh, you know, it, it, the thing is, we couldn't. He was the closer originally. He was just awfully lost his role. He was like a sixth inning guy for the second half. We couldn't break through against Canley Jansen. That was that was the most frustrating part. You had runners. Well, Jansen had the guy on base, of course. Right. A couple of really nice pitches. I don't know what Goldschmidt was looking at. That pitch was clearly a strike. He was just standing there. Yep. But it looked like uh, Beltran against Wainwright on that curveball, mm-hmm. like. 15 years ago but anyway um the issue that 
Jansen did his job, gave up no runs. He's about two feet away from blowing the game because O'Neal hit one that was pretty close down the line. So Jansen did pitch okay, but it was a classic Jansen performance where there's a guy on base. You know something? You know it's going to be a sweat for Dodger betters, but you were an inch away from from a base hit to break through, and you didn't get it. Yep, runner and runner and scoring position. Well, they also they also hit the sinking line drive to left field. Yeah, the, you mean the half kind of awkward catch? Yeah, made out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, all right. Well, put that in the rearview mirror, and uh, yeah. On we go, on we go. Um, we're going to see. Well, not quite. We still got the gambling hero, so. Well, that's what I'm just saying. On yeah, that's oh well, of course. Let's uh, yeah. <laughs> talk about anticlimactic, uh, anticlimactic. Well, let's go ahead and do it, Scott. Whoever could it be? Let's find out. Oh, we'll pull the curtain aside and reveal today's gambling hero of the day. I feel like you and I are to that song are like Roger Rabbit is to shave and a haircut. We, I have a great time. We hear that. We just can't help but bopping our heads around to the uh, fine mm-hmm. trumpet music there. Go ahead, buddy. So for this one, I'm calling an audible on the fly. Okay. It was obviously supposed to be Taylor for hitting the walk-off tour on home run. Right. However, there was a gambling legend, uh, somebody who's quite degenerate because he put 50 bucks on it. He had a parlay involving preseason basketball, preseason hockey, and the last pick, which was the Dodgers-Cardinals game to end in a walk-off home run at plus 2,000. He put 50 bucks on it, made 20K. No, that's not right. Made 10K. 20K. I'm looking right at it. At plus 2,000? It was plus 2,000 in the parlay. Oh, the par- that part of the parlay was plus 2000 So the overall parlay. The overall parlay was about $50.91, and it paid out $20,000, like $20,400. It's a nice But hit. how do you put together preseason hockey and NBA and throw in a little sprinkle of 20-to-1 walk-off home run to, to win, and he ended up turning 50 bucks into twenty k. And who is this guy? Some random guy on the internet. And we saw, we saw the ticket and everything? BetMGM. I'm looking at the ticket right now. BetMGM posted it. It's legit. Oh, BetMGM posted it? Uh, Yes. I like how the books are posting all these big, huge parlay winners. Oh, it was actually Bleacher Report betting, but I'm sure BetMGM will say something because I can recognize the layout. It's clearly BetMGM. Okay. Well, congratulations to that random guy. That's a a nice play. Do you like the audible there? Because I feel like it's always nice to look at some degenerate bets and how some of them actually work out. Sure. It gives it gives all the rest of us degenerates hope. Yep. Very good. Um, so, you know, I, you could still make a pretty good case for Chris Taylor, but... You really can. By the way, it would be 50 bucks to win 1,000 on a straight bet. What's that? Yeah. But for, if you just took the 20 to 1, it would be 50 to win 1,000. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, yeah, I just... And he decided, you know, 50 to win 1,000? Need a bigger payout, man. Yeah. What <laughs> else can I, I need to add another zero? What else can I put with that? So Yeah, pretty much. All right. So a lot going on in the NFL today, Scott. Uh, Stephon Gilmore traded to the Panthers. Six-round draft pick, Scott. Are you uh, surprised about the price? You think you, you didn't think he was worth a little bit more? It's kind of tricky, though, because New England was dumping him. So they were happy they got anything for him. They were going to cut him. Yeah, I know. That's in, you know how do you how do you get yourself in a salary cap situation like that 
where you can't bring back one of your arguably best defenders? Well, Gilmore, I know, was former defensive player of the year, right. obviously. He's 2000, 2019. Yeah, he's had injury issues. He's also 31. So there are questions if he's anywhere near the same guy that he used to be. The contract stuff with New England, that's the thing, is you try to think of who they actually have that's paid a bunch of money. Offensive and defensive linemen, and they paid a, for a couple of tight ends and a couple wide receivers this year. But right, it's really it. You got the rookie quarterback. It's not like you have a huge quarterback contract that's just sitting there. So I, I found it interesting, but Belichick's also known to be a guide who just dumps players who have name recognition because either they're old or injured. And his track record with those is usually pretty good. So we'll see what happens with Gilmore. Probably well, Carolina, though. You gave up a sixth round pick for a guy who can immediately help your defense. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to lie. It would have been. A, it would have been a nice addition for the Chiefs. I was. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think that New England was trading him to an AFC team. Well, see, that's the thing. Are they going to? They were. They going to trade him to somebody they could possibly meet in the playoffs? I, I'm not yeah, sure. I don't see that happening. You, you think? You think really? You think they eliminated half the league? When it comes to a sixth round pick, yeah. Hmm. I think they were. I think they probably had a couple of offers for sixth round picks, and they saw the one in the NFC and said, "Sure." What if the Chiefs offered him a fourth round pick? Would they have taken that instead? I have no idea. Okay. All right. They might not have fielded that many calls, but if they were going to cut him anyway, they just took whatever pick they can get. Well, yeah, well, that's sort of right. But they knew when they announced that they were going to cut him, they did it for a reason, and they did it so they could trade him. So teams wouldn't have to get in an all-out bidding war once they cut him. So I'm sure one team would have given up a fourth. So I actually am curious what the differential is between – sacrificing a trade into an AFC team when right. your team's one in three and probably not going to make the playoffs anyway compared to the NFC where you get a worse pick and you're not going to face them in the playoffs anyway because your team's not going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. But if you're not going to the playoffs anyway, then who cares? Agreed. Agreed. Uh, quick reminder, guys, you are listening to Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. Um, Scott, good news for the NFL. The... Um, the, the uh, the situation where the uh, there's all the, all the back scratching. I don't know why I can't I can't think of the metaphor I'm looking for here, but the 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 tail that wags the dog, so to speak, Scott, is all to, all about TV and viewership is up this season. It's up 17 percent over last season, and it's up three percent over 2019. So what do we got? We got some. We have better games. We have, of course, we've had some really good primetime games. You've had Kansas City, Baltimore. Of course, you've had. New England and Tampa Bay. And by the way, that game was the second most watched uh, Sunday night football game since it started in 2006. So kind of ironic because I barely watched any of it. So what do we got? You got better games or pe- there's are different viewing habits because the people um, it's COVID isn't such a distraction. Of course, in election year, that changes everybody's viewing habits as well. What do you what do you attribute it to, Scott? Well, I think you touched on the election stuff, which is definitely um, a little bit underrated, which a lot of people don't really think of. But the truth is, a lot of people want their political coverage. Sure. I'm not one of those guys, right. but some people do. So they cater their TV watching stuff accordingly. But I think it's mostly COVID related because I think a lot of people turned on games last year and were a little bit, let's just say, disinterested by the cardboard cutouts. Do you, think it was, do you think it was a crowd thing with, with COVID? I think it might have been. I think they like the crowd noise, the natural atmosphere 
of just pure chaos, which is what you get late in games. Right. And when you see artificial crowd noise pumped in, and you know it's obvious because everyone in there is made out of cardboard in the stands, I actually do think it matters. You? I agree. I mean, it, it obviously has to. But, you know, I was stunned last year when the, when the numbers were down because I figured with a lot of people being at home. I lot- think nobody had anything better to do. Last year? Yeah, that, that's why I would have assumed the Rangers right. didn't find last year because right. nobody's doing anything else. Yeah, we haven't had – we had the weird truncated baseball season, you know. That... Some people aren't working are going to try to make an income by gambling. Oof, so Good luck. Good time to I'm, start. I, I think you'd agree that some people probably tried that. Yep, I'm sure I'm sure you're right, Scott. I'm sure there was like day traders that tried, you know, the stock market. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there were guys that tried to play poker for a living. Camel racing. Camel racing, Sure. Um, so yeah, it's good. It's good news. And I think they're putting, uh, better product on the field. A lot of, t- lot of penalties got a lot more penalties. Well, that's this that's year. the main takeaway. And we talked about the Bosa comments from earlier in the week, but the officiating is garbage. Well, it's awful. What, uh, what expand on that? Do you mean they're calling wrong penalties? Not enough penalties, too many penalties, it, missing it penalties too much to the offense. What's I, that? I can't. Okay. You, you get way too much artificial scoring. Okay, so I don't know how you're supposed to play defense. You can barely hit the quarterback, right. even if it's it. You can't even do anything about it. Like you're trying to make a football play, the targeting stuff you try to get rid of, but the game's played at a very very fast speed. A lot of it's out of your control. Like, are you if you're leaning in for a tackle, and the offensive player at the last minute ducks his head to brace for contact, right? They're going to give the guy targeting for jumping in the air before well, the guy okay. actually ducked his head. Just to be clear, they don't have targeting in the NFL. But you know what? So, hit, you they know, have helmet to helmet contact. Hockey, right. Right. Well, well, I mean, it's only it's only relevant because they don't kick you out. Yeah. You know, you're not you're not getting you're not getting booted for the first half of the next game. Which the point I'm trying to say is that I think that it's basically impossible to play defense, which is why I have a hard time when I'm looking at games and I'm just expecting deep pass downfield, probably a 50 yard pass interference. You know, that's the thing. The first, and I know if you're you're like me, and you probably are. First time, you, whenever you see a pass downfield that's incomplete, first thing you do is your eyes immediately you, you, you go to that you go to that bottom right corner yeah. of of the grid of the cry. You look for a yellow handkerchief yep. flying across the screen. Yep, right? I'll that's tell you the what, it, of what I would do if you were actually in a desperate situation, game planning wise, it's fourth and thirty, minute to go. Yep, tell the receiver to run fifteen yards, underthrow the ball, tell the wide receiver to jump into the cornerback. Yeah, like the uh, like the three point shots. Then yeah, in the doesn't NBA. even matter if they're fifteen yards short of the first down. It's an automatic first down. You know, under throw the ball. The cornerback's not going to turn around because he never turns around. Tell the wide receiver to jump into him, and you have yourself a, a full on jumping into uh, defenders from the NBA type of controversy. And you might even have to jump it. You just stop. If you yeah. just, you just stop your route, he runs through Underthrow you. Throw the ball. But the point yeah. is, is that you can actually do that. And I think I'm surprised that a coach hasn't thought of that already. You're in a fourth and 20-something. Right. Throw the ball 10 yards to the outside and tell the wide receiver to just flop and pretend the quarterback shot him. Well, and it seems very draw a flag. It seems very situational, too, because the, the, the Chiefs game uh, against, the, against the Chargers a week and a half ago, if you saw that, that last play at the goal line, they absolutely mugged Kelsey and threw him, yeah. threw him to the ground. Now, that wouldn't if, he, if that was a one-on-one or double coverage or something like that in the middle of the third quarter... There's no way that's not pass interference. So, what are we, what are we doing? We're swallowing our whistles there, like they do in the NBA. They don't call fouls in the last two minutes. 
you get nothing. And you notice that all the issues, of course, you have the holding penalties, which will always be there when you're not sure if it's actually a hold or not. Those are never going to go away because that's always tough to do. You call it on every play, Scott. Call it on every play. It's about just the overall mindset of the defense and of just what the defense is supposed to do and how the officials are being told upstairs, we need points. Give us points. Right. And that's a problem. People like points. I can't take anything seriously if they're just going to walk down the field with 50 yards from penalties. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I think, in, yeah, some of the, some of the holding penalties have been atrocious. Of course, but you get those every year. Again, um, I just, they, they've, they've called more this season. and I'm, I'm The not, main not rise is it. the roughing the passer stuff. And I can't handle any of that in the pass interference. They should make it spot foul. They should make it uh 15 yards. If you're going to chuck it downfield for 60-something yards, don't give him 60. Just give him 50. I'm torn on that because if you throw it 50 yards down the field and your guy is wide open, he's going to obviously make the catch. Defense should tackle him. And the defense, you got to give him the ball there. Yeah. But I, I just think that it would make the game more, I, I don't want to say competitive, but I feel like it would turn it a little bit more in terms of comparing the offense to the defense based on advantages. Right. The offense it's it's definitely like 90-10 in terms of advantage. The offense is all the advantages based on the current way they're enforcing the rules. Okay. Wouldn't you agree with that? I would. I would. Uh, Justin Fields, going to start for the Bears from here on out. Was that the only move Nagy could make? Didn't Nagy say two days ago Dalton was going to be the quarterback? Uh, yeah. So I'm, I don't really know what happened. Did the Chicago Bears uh, mafia show up at his door and say, you better reconsider your decision. Like, yeah, they brought in the baseball bat. I'm just, I just have it on my shoulder. You know, we're not going to this. Oh, I bring this with me everywhere. I'm headed to softball practice right after this. Yeah, uh, yeah, but don't don't worry about it. Do I think it's the obvious move? We both thought that he was going to start at some point. Yep. Um, Fields, did he look good against Detroit for about a quarter and a half? He okay. was awful for the entire second half, just to be completely honest. Does with he you, give him the best chance to win? No. No. He I think not. the answer is Dalton, but yes. I think this team was screwed to begin with, and I think they're screwed as long as Nagy's the head coach. So, yeah, they're a dead man walking team. They'll probably win seven games anyway. With Fields, they might win five. But, you know, if you're not going to make the playoffs anyway, give the young kids some reps. Yeah, fair enough. All right, buddy, we got the playoffs starting up for real, for reals here today. Uh, we'll talk about the individual games here in a minute. Let's talk about the series real quick, Scott. You got the Astros going to be hosting. Uh, they have the uh, home field advantage against the Chicago White Sox. Astros minus 135, White Sox plus 115. Where are you at on this one? Taking the Astros to win the series. Got to be. I, I can't trust the Chicago team. They have padded their record against awful competition all wait, season long. Wait. So, uh, well, honestly, if you just intentionally walk Perez, it's a free win. We really talked about, we talked about that. By the way, Scott, they had the best record. They, they had the most improved record in baseball in the second half. I'm proud of them. Um, but we, we talked about that yesterday, um, about getting 57 games against the Royals, Tigers, and Minnesota Twins this year. And yes, you can say some of those teams were better than they thought. Yeah, they all finished below 500. Who cares? That's right. Well, yeah, Tigers are a good team. But I'm saying they didn't finish above 500. So you're playing weaker competition because you don't even have a second best team in the division that's worth a damn. No, yeah. Your second best team is Cleveland, and they were awful for most of the Chicago's been sleepwalking for the last month and change, which they should be because they were cruising anyway. But I have issues with the rotation. 
because you yeah. look at who they have. I think Cease is good, but Giolito has struggled this year, especially for the last couple of months. Radon's been injured. He's barely pitched for the last month, and he's supposed to be arguably your game three guy. Right. Lance, I don't Lance, trust Lynn, is anybody. An, Lance Lynn is another guy that's kind of hit the wall. He's either been hurt or bad. And he's pitching game one. Right. That's your that's your that's your horse right there. I'm also a bit surprised McCullers is pitching game one. I figured Valdez would pitch game one, but we'll, anyway, we'll see what happens moving forward. But right. at the end of the day, I just don't trust this White Sox team because I don't trust Larusa. I don't like Dusty Baker either, but I think Houston with home field will do enough. I, I think they'll win the series. You? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. They're a uh, minus 135 favorite in the first game. H the total. I got to go in four. You got, you got him in four? I think the White Sox win one at home. McCullers beat Lynn t- uh, tonight. Yeah, I, I can't trust Lynn. I know that if it was based on full season, you'd, you'd say to yourself, I got to like Lynn. But yeah. my argument is, why? If they were having the game in June, maybe I would like Lynn. But since it's taking place in October... Yeah, Lynn's second half has not been that great. No, and and he's been and he's he's been fighting injuries too. Yeah, him and Radon, and they're both supposed to contribute seriously in this series. I just don't think that's going to go well. Okay, yeah, good enough. I'm I'm with you. Of course, it's hard to separate my feelings from my hopes because you know I I told you I've got the I've got the ticket on the Astros to win the pennant. So. Mm-hmm. You're hanging in there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, step step one has been accomplished, but yeah, Lynn, uh, from the from from August through October, uh, 4.10 ERA, not which is which not, sounds not okay, ideal. but compare that to the first couple months, it's yeah. been jarring. No, he was he was he was fantastic early, and that's that's the problem because when they were talking about him for the uh, you know whispered for the Cy Young. Uh, first up up until the first of August, two oh seven ERA, mm-hmm. and he was uh, had won eleven of his nineteen starts. So even at his best, they still weren't winning a ton of games for him. You know, so you even like the White Sox bullpen, I'm not really sold on that bullpen. Uh, they have some interesting pieces out there. I like. I, I know. Like- I know Hendricks is a guy who can occasionally get into trouble. He's a pretty good closer. Kimbrel's been a mess. Since he got to Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. Ever since he left Boston, he has been, you know, he's shown flashes. He, I think he showed more flashes for the White Sox than he did for the Cubs. Well, the Cubs this past year in the first half, he was great. His first year wasn't that great at all. But well, I meant, that's why the Cubs shipped him. Right. The White Sox gave up a King's Ransom and Madrigal, who was supposed to be a very sought-after prospect for the Cubs. They murdered the White Sox in that trade. It I, wasn't even close. I like, I like Kopech. I yeah, think I think good. I think he's going to be a I think he's going to be a good I think he's going to be a good pitcher I think they're going to turn him into a starter. I trust him more than Kimbrel. They've got they've got Bummer out there. They've got Tapera. I mean they've got some they've got some. They got guys. I just don't trust Kimbrel pitching the eighth. No, and and you know uh, Hendricks is good, but you got to get to him. You got you yeah, first. He you also go. gets wild, and Houston has seen a lot of Hendricks. They have, years. and first you got to get first you got to get a lead. Yep, and then you have to have the eighth. Get, you have to get by the eighth with Kimbrel. So I think this White Sox has, team has real problems, real challenges, and part of it is that they haven't played meaningful baseball in six weeks. You can make an argument since the All Star break because yeah, that division was a wrap. Yeah, you really, while. you really could make that argument because really nobody challenged them. So I've got, to, I've got to like the hotter team there. And the other one that we're going to get started here is the other one from the American League, and that's going to be Boston. At Tampa Bay, McClanahan going against Eduardo Rodriguez for the Sox. 
Tampa Bay, big favorites in this game. They are also, of course, big favorites to win the series. Minus 185, plus 165 for the Red Sox. Scott, is there some value on the Red Sox here? You can make an argument if you're not sold to McClanahan, but I think Tampa's going to win the series. I think Tampa's going to the World Series. I think that this is one of the best teams in the league. And Boston, they beat the Yankees. You know, good for you. But Tampa is a different animal. I think that Tampa's got just too much pitching. And Boston's bullpen, they got by against the Yankees. That bullpen's a mess. Like, it could be a situation where, kind of like what I talked about for the Cardinals game against the Dodgers, which is why I like the Dodgers to win the game. Because if it's close to late, I think St. Louis's bullpen's going to blow it. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. Now, do I think that's going to happen to that degree? In this series, maybe not the walk-off two-run homer variety, but if the Red Sox are up 2-0 in the seventh, I might look for a raise live play because I don't trust anybody in the Red Sox bullpen. You? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, 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 uh, that, and that is going to be the problem because McClanahan... I would look at first five if you won Boston. Well, and McClanahan's a guy that's been pitching well, but he's another one that you don't get a lot of distance from. At, Which is at, fine because Tampa's got 35 great bullpen arms they out just, there. They just keep coming at you, Scott. But, yeah, McClanahan hasn't given up more than one earned run in his last four starts. I think that's what makes me laugh, by the way, about Tampa, is that every team has a closer they don't really trust. Right. And Tampa has about seven, and they just rotate depending on how they feel that day. Rotate them out. Uh, Tampa is, by the way, 11-8 and eight against Boston this season. So they have had they have had some pretty good success. For me... For the series, it's it's got to be it, it's got to be Red Sox or pass. I've seen these teams get hot before, Scott. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. I've seen the teams get hot and go on a run. I don't think there's any value on the Tampa Bay Rays at minus one eighty five. I don't know part of that, but I will take. I'll take. I'll take the Red Sox plus one sixty five. I think if you're looking at a value play for this game, I'm looking at the Red Sox first five because I really. Don't well, I'm talking about for the series. Bolton. I'm talking about oh, for, for the, the series. series. Uh it's tough to find value at Tampa with that minus price. Right. But I think this team is going to the World Series. So I can't take Boston. I think if you want to go for a plus one and a half games with Boston, you just hope they push him to the brink. Right. I don't hate that. Okay. Well, fair enough. You know, and, and Rodriguez actually been pretty darn good. Uh, his, his last four starts. So. We'll uh, we'll see. He's given up. He's given up. Uh, last time, last time out against Washington, he gave up two or gave up none, uh, five hits. So he's been good. He's he's been solid. But for the season, by the way, not that great against left-handed pitching. No, that's uh, that's very true, and that is kind of that is kind of their kind of their Achilles heel for sure. As they uh, they. Um, they're like middle of the pack. Yeah, they are. Well, the thing is, they don't hit that well. They put up runs, Scott. They put up they put up five point six runs per game against lefties, as opposed to five point three overall. So they actually score more runs against lefties. I'm just going based on the batting splits, like OPS, et cetera. Okay. Well, be that as it may, you're they... looking at the over in the spot. I feel like I have to because McClanahan might be good. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really have much experience, and Rodriguez has been better lately. Tampa's seen him a bunch. Well, also Boston's seen McClanahan a bunch, but Eduardo, he can get into some trouble very quickly. And this Tampa team in the dome, they're very, very good. I can see this game having some runs to it. Okay. You? 
Yeah, I think that's I think that's a for seven and a half at least. That does seem a little bit low to me. Well, I've got it at eight. I don't. I don't you got you got you see a uh, seven and a half somewhere. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. At minus one eighteen. Okay. Hey, how about the football game? We got a uh, got a pretty good battle there from the NFC West. Now we've had some we've had some bad teams that have put on good games, Scott. So now we've got good game, good teams. Everybody expects it to be a, a real barn burner as the uh, Rams try to get that taste of that bad taste in their mouth. From the game against the Cardinals last weekend, heading up to the twelfth man to take on the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Seahawks somewhere around a two-point dog in this one. As far as the total goes, you're looking at about fifty-four and a half across the board. How you got this one capped? I like the Rams in this spot. I know that they no showed last week against Arizona. Mm-hmm. But Seattle had a great game last week against San Francisco. The issue is San Francisco doesn't really have a quarterback, and the Rams do. Stafford, I know he struggled last week, but uh, Seattle's defense I'm not thrilled with. Let's put it that way. Well, they're awful. So I'm still concerned about Russell Wilson basically having no weapons besides two guys. And now Carson's probably not going to play. It doesn't look good for Carson. He's got a neck problem, didn't practice all week. He's officially questionable game-time decision. If he does end up suiting up, he'll play like 30% of the snaps tops, right? Who else you run out there? Well, they used Collins a lot last week, and he looked decent. They still have Homer, who's the third down receiving back. See, uh, They have some options. Here's the thing. You say, well, they they played good um, last week against San Francisco. Well, sort of. They They got outgained by 200 yards. San Francisco turned the ball over four times. Correct. So... There's your difference right there. Um, well, I'm saying they look good on the scoreboard, but I'm yes. saying in general, I think people are going to overreact to the Rams' perform to both performances and just mm-hmm. say Seattle's in better form. They're not. I- I'm okay with admitting that the Rams had one really, really bad performance. They're the much better overall team. I don't think Seattle as an overall team is that good. Well, uh, no, I-, I agree. And part of the problem with the uh, with the Rams matchup against the Arizona Cardinals was the pass rush. They were just, they, they were, he was under assault all night long. That's not going to be the case. Seattle does, Seattle's best pass rusher is arguably Jamal Adams. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, even though they did, they did have, uh, they only gave up two sacks last week, although um, Matt Stafford was under a lot of pressure. But this is the, nobody gives up fewer sacks than the Rams, by the way. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't see. Also comparing the defensive line of Watt and Chanor Jones to, Dunlap and Dunlap, like I, they don't really have many guys. No, no, they they really really don't. So I'm with you there. And as far as as far as that game goes, I'm looking at under props for Carson because worst case is you either get your money back or B he suits up technically, maybe plays two snaps. And as long as he doesn't break one, you win. I don't know, man. Those guys, they get them ready to go by any means necessary. I know, but Carson's had a long-standing history of injury problems. Yeah, you're right. And he's also has not practiced on a short week. That's well, not exactly an ideal spot. No, that's true. And you know, the other thing is, the Rams were able to run the football last week. It was kind well, of they were, but you, of course, you know, stopping the run, which they struggled with last week, which is kind of odd. You still got Donald in the middle, and that's just a force in itself. Right. Right. Yeah, that's because you know, Seattle would like to take some pressure off of Russ. They'd like Seattle to, had a hard time running the ball against San Francisco last week too. So right, they're not really great at running the ball. No, they're not. And this is yeah, like I said, this is uh, 
Henderson had four, 14 for 89, and uh, Sony Michelle, Sony Michelle sighting. So yeah, they averaged 5.3 yards per carry, which is you know, that's that's, okay. that's pretty solid. Yeah, that's good. So anyway, um, I I can't I can't go with the Seahawks here. The plus this is a, a series, another another series there in the West that McVay has owned. So we know that didn't work out last week, as we said he had owned he had owned the Cardinals and they went up there and shat the bed. But we're going to give him another shot. At least, you know, I, I think the Cardinals would play there. Can you can you take an can you take an under here, Scott? I think a part of you can if you think that Ramsey is going to shut down either Lockett or Metcalf. Well, he has shut down Metcalf every time they've played. I'm I'm assuming that Seattle is going to try to find ways to get Metcalf on his own. I'm curious if Ramsey is going to play a side or if he's going to follow across the field. Probably a side. So far, so far he's followed. He's well. If he should continue following, yeah, he, that's kind of why I like the under. Metcalf had eight. Metcalf had eighty-four yards in the two games combined last year. If you have no running game without Carson, yep, and you have Metcalf, who's one of your best receivers, dealing with one of the best corners, in my opinion, the best corner in the entire league. Yep. I actually have questions on how Seattle's supposed to score. Yep. So I actually kind of like the under in the spot. Yeah, I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. By the way. um, the uh, Metcalf under 74 and a half, I think, is a good play. Metcalf is a good receiver, but Jalen Ramsey is so damn good at his yeah, position. Yeah, and he really seems to have found his groove again. So, And then, of course, Scott, we've got a couple college games from the uh, slate. Any uh, Ivy games? That's Friday night, buddy. Damn it. It's coming. It's coming. Don't Bet on Harvard. Doesn't matter what the spread is. Don't worry. Do we have, I'm just trying to say, oh, no, we don't even have any this. We don't have any this Friday. Sorry, bud. Damn it, they're studying. We got Morgan Damn State it. and Howard. Okay. State uh, Howard, that seems awful. Howard who, you should ask. Mm-hmm. Houston and Tulane. Six and a half, seven, depending on where you go. Opened up uh, at 62, and now it's down to 59 and a half. So, Houston, kind of, uh, you were a non-believer last week. Are you a believer now? Oh, they buried Tulsa. Buried them. Buried him. You and I talked about it on the show, and they buried him. Mm-hmm. Is Tulane better than Tulsa? Yes, but Tulane. Is it possible to peak in week one and two? Sure. I think Ole Miss broke that team. You really did. You know, they hung in there against Oklahoma, and like, oh, this is going to be a great season. Now we just got to take care of business against Ole Miss. Oh, oh. what do you give up? 70 points in not, three quarters? Not good. Not good at all. Corral at like forty-five touchdowns. I gotta play. I gotta play Houston here, don't I? Uh, I'm a little bit torn because it is a division game mid. It is a conference game midweek, so laying six and a half with the road team, I have a bit of a hard time with because I think these teams are close. If you think Pratt can actually find openings in this Houston defense, ah, uh, I'm really interested in the total move. To be honest with you, I, I find the under move in a two-lane game fascinating. Isn't it? Well, yes and no. I mean, it's a team that wants to run the ball. So I guess they're thinking they're going to be able to have some success at running the football. Um, I guess. I don't know. I think I think the weather I think you've got decent weather. I don't think is there a is there a weather problem? I gotta assume there might be. At least maybe a wind problem. Because uh-huh. if you're moving a total with that many points between these two teams, I think there's gotta be some type of external factor. Well, we're gonna find out right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna look this up. And we're going to see 
what kind of weather situation we have tomorrow. Down and I think both teams have decent quarterbacks. Pratt, I haven't been a fan of his entire career, but he did look a lot better uh, throwing the ball in the first game against Oklahoma, and he's been okay this season. Tune, I think, is fine. I don't think he's amazing, but he's good enough to carve up this defense. Couldn't be less of a factor, Scott. 70, really? 79 degrees and clear, two-mile-an-hour winds, a 3% chance of rain. Uh, For me, I'll fade the total move. I'll go with the over. Okay. All right, you think the money's going the wrong way? I think one of these teams get into the 30s. Okay. Yeah. I think it's Houston. I'll take I'll take Well, Houston it. likes to play up tempo, so yeah, that makes sense. I'll take I'll take Clayton Toon and uh Houston right there. Okay. And then in the other one, we've got uh we don't want to talk too much about that. Or do you just want to you just want to just get right to it? Uh we can get right to it if you want to. We covered everything else. Okay. Do you have anything do you have anything anything special that you can talk about on that game? Uh, about the Coastal Arkansas State game? Coastal Arkansas State, right. For this one, get your popcorn ready. Yeah. You're going to have a great time either way. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I, I, was, I told you before the show I was this close to going to this game. It's, it's, it's like six and a half hours from my house, but I know it's gonna be, could, the closest Coastal is going to be, and I really want to see that team play. If you could find any player props for rushing yards on Coastal, take the over. Over. They might rush for 400 yards. Yeah, and that's that's really that's not an exaggeration. I'm I'm not even exaggerating. This Arkansas State team, they are last in the country. They give up 6.7 yards per carry, Scott. I know Georgia Southern likes to run the option, so they have their own running game system. Uh-huh. uh-huh. They had north of 500 rushing yards. They I mean, did. come on. Yeah, Georgia Georgia Southern, a team that had really struggled with an interim head coach. Offensively, with an interim head coach, right? They were able to gash them for 503 yards. And Scott, 500, the ground, by the way. 503. This is on the ground, right? 503 yards on the ground. How many carries do you think it gets to it takes to get to 500 yards? Uh, against the crappy team, I uh-huh. assume you need north of 40. 50. 50 carries, Scott. 50 carries. They average 10.1 yards per carry for, for 10 for for 50 carries. Now, I don't think Coastal's going to average that because they don't have the, the option, but they should average at least six and a half, if not more, arguably seven and a half. Now, in fairness, this is a team that only threw the that only completed three passes. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. So it's going to balance itself out. But yeah, that also might lead to fast strikes, too, because, yeah, McCall can sling it. Yeah, he can. I'm not taking the under. Let's put it that way. And yeah, the the uh, Georgia Southern put up 59 and uh, yeah. r- and ran the ball 50 times. So. And Arkansas State's offense, up-tempo, not bad. I like the over. Okay. Yeah, good enough. And people say, say, well, you know, if you're going to run the ball, you're going to eat clock. Well, if you're running the ball and averaging 10 yards a carry, you're not eating any clock. That's just as good as a good passing game right there. They're going to break at least one touchdown run for like 60 yards. All right. Very good, sir. Well, we have put our heads together. We have come up with our favorite play of the day. It is time once again, folks, strap on those overalls, put on your straw hat, climb on your John Deere, and everybody get ready for the Thursday night edition of Bet the Farm. Makes me hungry. Yep. What do you got, bud? So for this one, we're going to stick with the last game we talked about between Coastal and Arkansas State. And we are going to fade our Kansas. We're taking Coastal Carolina minus 19 at minus 11 offshore. Now, Coastal, we already know, is a ranked team. They're one of the best group of five teams. 
Arkansas State is so useless defensively that you can really find any stat you want. Mm -hmm. They're awful at it. Mm -hmm. They're they're really not good at anything. Now, to go through the actual game so far, they beat an FCS team in week one. Good for them. They played Memphis. They scored 50. They gave up 55. They played Washington. We know Washington this year has been a down team. They lost 52 to three. Is Coastal better than Washington? 41, wait, they gave up 41 points to Tulsa, uh-huh. who could barely move the ball against Houston last week. Right. And they gave up 59 to Georgia Southern. So you add in everything together. Arkansas State is allowing 45.6 points per game. In other words, Coastal Carolina, if they are even going to half try in this game, has scored 50-plus in t- each of the last two have scored 49 in four of the last five. Coastal should probably put up 50-something points. We're going to lay the 19 with Coastal because Arkansas State has a decent offense. They only scored three against Washington. The other teams they play don't have very solid defenses. Coastal's good enough to limit this team to 20-something while scoring north of 50. Yep. Give us Coastal. Yep, absolutely right. This is a uh, – the Coastal averages 40, 48.2 points per game, and they have – I would say normally they haven't played a team as bad as Arkansas State, but they have. They played UMass. They hung fifty. They hung fifty nine on UMass. Uh, fifty three or fifty three rather. Sorry, they, they played Ewell Monroe after. A month, they, oh, what what a what a murderer's row that is, huh? UMass. Not to mention the yeah the Buffalo sandwich game, but before that you had Kansas. Yeah, yeah, that's that's absolutely right. So Coastal so. should walk into fifty, and the question is, do you think Arkansas State, if Coastal scores fifty, are they going to score? 31 points and i don't think they're getting to 30 that's 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 the thing and this is arkansas that we're we're not kidding this is arguably the worst defense in fbs only umass gives up more points per game and Find a metric you like and they're they, bad at everything they are the worst team against the run like i said 6.71 yards per carry um and this is a coastal team you know we talk about grayson mccall how good he is and he and by the way he is very good he's completing 80 percent of his passes that's first in the uh in fbs but 257 rushing yards per game. Yeah, yeah. And then they yeah, 257 yards rushing per game. They have their three top backs average seven yards a carry. Got to play Coastal right there. All right. It's tough for garbage time when all the running backs are still going to do whatever they want well, once the game flow tells them to run. And let's talk about garbage time with the Chanticleers because I know you guys, you're out there and you're like, well, that's a big spread to cover. What if they piss it away in garbage time? Chanticleers, they change out their personnel. They don't change the game strategy. They still have their foot on the gas all the way through. We saw it earlier in the season as they ended up screwing me in their in their first game because they had their foot on the gas with their last drive in the fourth quarter, still throwing the ball 30 yards down the field. Don't worry about garbage time. They're going to have a big enough lead where you're not even going to have to sweat it. Take Coastal, lay the 19, the 20, the 30, whatever it is, they're going to walk all over this team. Yep, I agree. All right, very good. That's going to do it for Bet the Farm, and that's going to do it for Winners and Winners Radio for Thursday. As always, we appreciate you guys checking us out, whether it's via podcast, whether it's in video form, however you consume us. Yeesh. We appreciate the effort, of course. Don't forget to rate and review. If you're listening to the podcast, don't forget to drop us a comment and like on the uh, YouTube side, of course. And for me and for Scott, for all of us at Winners and Winners, once again, Thanks for being here for us. Good luck on all your plays today. We'll see you tomorrow on Winners and Winers Radio. Take care, everybody.